Previously on the Tony Kornheiser Show. Because this particular road, the only Laytonsville road, which I now have nightmares about, which is a one-lane road, it would take three and four turns to get through a light. There were hundreds, maybe thousands of cars on this road in front of me. It was so hard to drive. I called up Tracy. I got so angry about the roads. And she said, this is what it's like every day of my life. You're, you're in a bubble. You never drive. You never go anywhere. Good that this happened to you. Tracy's always angry. The Tony Kornheiser Show is on now. So a couple of notes here. We are always faced with the notion of what do we do during football season? Do we go back to betting at large? Do we have Chuck Todd? Do we have Jeff Ma? Do we have James Carville when Carville is available to us, when he doesn't forget about us? And the answer is <laughs> when yes. When he's on a winning streak. Yeah, the answer is yes. And so that's what we're going to do. We're going to do the betting because I like it. Um, I mean, I, I think it's fun for me. And if it's fun for me, maybe it's fun for you. And I don't have a better answer than that, right, Michael? There's, I don't have anything better than that. That is correct. It's, yeah. it's nothing like getting my information for the weekend slate from Chuck Todd. Yeah, that's the way <laughs> I think that we ought to do it. Okay, to open the show, um, I'm not going to waste a lot of time talking about the soccer game last night, that the United States won, that they beat Honduras. I'm not a soccer guy. I don't particularly like soccer. I don't know anything about soccer. And, so, and this is not Sports Center, where everybody has to have you know, important and insightful comments about everything. It's, it's not, I don't have anything to say about that other than I'm happy they won. They scored four goals. They had scored a total of one goal in their previous two games for, you know, World Cup qualifying. Good for them. They beat Honduras. We're moving on from that. If, if you want more than that, you better go somewhere else. Uh, I don't have it. Um, what occupied my time yesterday was watching the Nats. You just gave 90 seconds on soccer. I love it. Yeah, that's all we got. Uh, what occupied my time was watching the Nats, particularly in the first inning, where Sean Nolan comes out as the starting pitcher. And when Freddie Freeman, the best player on the Nats, comes up, he throws the first pitch behind his head and over his head and throws the second one into his waist and drills him. And he gets thrown out. Now, there's no way if a pitcher gets thrown out in the first inning for deliberately throwing at a batter. With no warning. Right. I don't know the backstory on this. I, it is explained to me later. But I don't know the backstory on this when this is happening. But there's no way that wasn't deliberate to Freddie Freeman. And that's what the umpires ruled. After this happened, after that inning, Freddie Freeman walked off the field because they were, they were on offense with his arm around Juan Soto, which provided a clue for what this was about a little bit later when it was explained to me. And then he walked over to the Nats dugout and he said a bunch of things to Davey Martinez, who's in a boot and can't move. And what he probably said is, I get it. I know why you did this. I don't like it. It's not something I'm crazy about. You ought to think about this the next time. And then he walked away. Freddie Freeman has more class in his body than the entire Washington Nationals team have in theirs collectively based on this incident. Based on this. He didn't rail. He didn't scream. He didn't threaten anybody. He was, just, he was in, in, a, in a moment of time where he could have been hurt seriously he was class. Am I right on this? Cla the you were correct class in, the, in the small exact moment of that, but you were missing the larger picture as to Will Smith's beef with Juan Soto that now goes back for a year plus with Juan Soto's reaction the previous night in the ninth inning when he gets plunked and he does not 
rail. He does not yell. He does not run at the pitcher. He calmly walks down the line, head down. I didn't see that. Okay, so that to me is the, when we talk about the rules of baseball and how, how is a pitcher supposed to protect his best player, you might say when you look at Nolan coming and go, I wouldn't call him the starter. He was the opener for that night's game, and he sort of looked like he reluctantly had to go at Freddie Freeman, who is the Juan Soto plus That's right. on the Braves here. The Braves, who are still in control of the East and who've been the the represent representatives from the East now for you know for a couple of years and have been the sort of class of that division for a long time, and you you look at Freddie Freeman's response there, which is a continuation of what Juan Soto did. Actually, what I loved going into was reading some forums from Braves fans who say I have so much more respect for Juan Soto for what he did. Uh, this is now two nights ago versus what my own pitcher did, and this goes back to a year plus where Juan Soto is on deck and he slowly starts to creep down the line. Whether he's trying to get a, a, a sense of speed. Will Smith that just come into Spin the game. Raid. Yes. Just come into the game, and he is trying to scope out the types of pitches that he is making to the catcher in warm-ups. Right. Arm angle, and he does not like that, and sort of starts to nod to Soto, like, get out of here. Once right. he proceeds to hit the home run, and this has now been going on for the year plus, and and you'd say this is still at a point where Juan Soto is a young player, and he had a bit of that reputation, whether it was from the home plate umpire or opposing pitchers, of trying to show people up when he was still doing the crotch grab. So back to last night, I don't know where this directive came from. I assume it was just something that the pitcher understood in the moment of, I have to protect my player. Davey looked a little surprised. You look at the response of the umpires. They were ready to toss anyone out for this before the first pitch was even tossed because I'm sure the story from the night before got to them. Well, the crew works the entire series. They don't bring in new umpires. They shift around position by position. But all of those guys are aware that Will Smith deliberately hit Juan Soto. And the worst part about that is it goes down in the line as Will Smith gets a save, and this becomes the second or third paragraph that he intentionally hit Juan Soto. I love I love baseball. I'm all for the rules of baseball, the unwritten rules. To me, the unwritten rule there is what Freddie Freeman did. It's what Juan Soto did the other night, which is to take the high road. And for Freddie Freeman, who is the ambassador, and, and again, every time you see him play, people stop at first base. They light they up chat with him. him. He's happy to chat with them. So when he yes. puts his arm around Soto, to me, that's a that's sort of this... Big brother act. Yes, that is the big brother act, and that to me is the... Clo- it's not one pitcher hitting another player and saying, are we done now? It's Freddie Freeman saying, I have decided this is now done. Yeah, so it's lo- lo- a lovely thing, and it had to be explained to me. FP was explaining it, because I didn't understand it at all when it first happened. So then the question is, let's say Nolan hits him with the first pitch. Based on what you saw with both pitchers in the first inning, are you going to toss him for that, or is that when he comes out, you bring out the managers, or I guess walk over to the managers and say, enough's enough, we're issuing the formal warning for this. I think if he hit him with the first one, yes, but he threw the first one wildly high and over his head. And Freddie Freeman knew yeah. He knew he was going to get hit. He turns back to the umpire and go, come on, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. He knows he's going to get hit. He knows the retaliatory action in baseball. Okay, we move on to something else. Juan Soto's home run, though, later in the game. Wonderful. And again, head straight down. Looks like a guy who's just waiting to be anywhere else. Well, every, everything that the Nats do is to protect their interest, their financial and long-term interest in Juan Soto. And if I'm Juan Soto's agent, I say, do you really want me to sign with this team with the stuff you're putting out on the field right now? Yeah. And then one other small question. The Braves started a righty. <clears throat> Andrew Stevenson needs to go to another team. He just needs to go to another team. Davey Martinez clearly hates him. Doesn't want to play him. I know he pinched it late in the game with him. No. Andrew Stevenson has earned the right to be an everyday player, at least to get a tryout for it. And he's not going to get it. He ought to leave. Lane Thomas has gotten that. And Lane Thomas has been fine. Yeah, He's surprise. been very good. Uh, Ryder Cup. 
those of you who are saying, oh, no, he's going into golf again. More yes, golf. I'm going into <laughs> golf again. Steve Stricker, the captain of the Ryder Cup, picks six guys on his captain's pick, all of whom are young. Um, they're all good players. Uh, uh, Xander Schauffele, Scotty Scheffler, Tony Finau, Jordan Spieth, Harris English. and The I'm tennis pro son. I'm leaving one out. Who's the one? Daniel I'm, Berger. Daniel Berger. Okay. They're all fine players. He left out a great Ryder Cup player. He left out Patrick Reed. Wilbon tried to sell this yesterday as going young. Patrick Reed's in his 30s. He's not old. Patrick Reed's not old. Patrick Reed, his overall record in the Ryder Cup is 7-3-2, and and he's 3-0 in singles. You have on the team a guy that nobody wants to play with, Bryson DeChambeau. If you add Patrick Reed, you have a second guy nobody wants to play with. So you put them together. You put them together, and you nobody also, has you to also play with Brooks Kepka, who is a wild card. And well, I think I, we don't even know if he's not to play with him. Either. Right? You don't even know if he's going to play with a wrist injury. I think it's a mistake. Look, you know, it's there's 12 people out there. I don't know that it has anything to do with who's going to win and who's going to lose. But the European squad has a lot of vets who are very good in this particular format. This is the way the Euros beat the United States. They don't beat them in the majors as much as they beat them in the Ryder Cup. I think it's really a mistake not to put Patrick Reed out there, but I yield to the golfer and the family. So I, I think you're coming back to where the Americans have had the edge, and that comes down to international major competitions. And I think here you're looking at Steve Stricker. I mean, you actually could hear the pain in his voice when he was trying to relay why he did not pick this player in Patrick Reed. I think it comes down to health. Patrick Reed hasn't really played in the last That's month. Right. And you don't know physically got the rock and pneumonia. You don't the boogie know physically <laughs> where he is. And if he was a if he was an older elder statesman, if he was a filler tiger and say, We want you out there, we want you working the you know, the walkie talkies with us, we'll get you out in singles and maybe you'll play one more time. But you don't even know if he can do that. And it then comes down to scar tissue. You're mentioning players that don't have the baggage of these wildly, you know, lopsided losses when they were the favorites and they were the sort of the international story in golf. Those half the those team is brand 2000s. new. So you're looking at brand this and new. saying, is this actually the path as to how the Europeans got the edge in the Ryder Cup over the last 20 years where they brought in people who who had less name recognition, not even name recognition, just less exposure to this event, to this event and their they're primed to sort of make their mark on it because now you look at you look at careers. Ian Ian Poulter's career is made from the Ryder Cup. Agree, and you would say once you have that success, does success then beget more success? Yes. So you would have not put Reed on. I would probably have a conversation with him and say, I know you want to do this, but where exactly are you? Personally, I would not put him on because I think you already have the distractions, and I would try and I would try. Okay. And hear from him i mean if he was if he was healthy i think it'd be a harder harder choice for the captain i will point out one more time his record his overall record is seven wins three losses and two ties the two greatest golfers in the united states history of the last 30 years tiger woods and phil mickelson are underwater on their career records they're under 500 both of them just saying we will take a break when we come back we'll start with james carville and jeff ma and we'll find out what they're thinking about games this weekend i'm tony kornheiser you're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the SeatGeek ad. Do you ever feel like ticketing websites make getting to the event difficult on purpose? They're so big that they get away without caring about the customer experience. 
I don't have the SeatGeek app on my phone, but Nigel does, and Michael, you do. Yeah, checking for Ryder Cup tickets right now. I was going to yeah. say, well, do they have Ryder Cup tickets? Doubtful that I'm going to see a green dot, but maybe. Well, they have, because it's at um, Whistling Straits, which we enjoyed so very, very much. It's the fastest and easiest way to find tickets. Um, Michael uses it all the time. SeatGeek makes buying tickets super simple. A quick look at the App Store shows over 50,000 five-star reviews. SeatGeek pulls together millions of tickets from all over the web. Then it rates each deal on a scale of 1 to 10. And finally, SeatGeek displays them on an interactive seat map. SeatGeek breaks down the details. Green dots mean good deals. Red dots are overpriced. Every ticket on SeatGeek is backed by their buyer guarantee, so you can shop for tickets with confidence. And don't worry. If you listen to this show, we've got the hookup. Use the code TONY for $20 off tickets at SeatGeek. That's $20 off your first purchase with the promo code TONY. Visit www.seatgeek.com or download the SeatGeek app today. Use the code TONY for $20 off your first SeatGeek order again at www.seatgeek.com. Use the code, people. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This is sent to us from my favorite rabbi, Rabbi Misha Ben David, in honor of Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur. It's called Empty Spaces. He said the song features vocals by a young woman I used to perform with here in Austin. But some years ago, she moved to D.C. for a husband and a cushy government job. The Jacqueline Carton I knew became Jacqueline Tame or Tammy, T-A-M-E, and she sings Empty Spaces, a song I wrote with Allison Downey, who is now a drama professor at Western Michigan University in Kalamazoo. A lot of connective tissue going on there. Kalamazoo, by the way, the hometown of Derek Jeter, who was just inducted into the Baseball Hall of Fame yesterday. Rabbi Misha Ben David. Love this music. Love the music. Thank you very much for it. Plays in James Carville. We have a bunch of things to talk about with James before we even get to the betting. And one is, you are a native Louisianan. You have a home in New Orleans. Hurricane Ida went through there. New Orleans is not yet on its feet, I wouldn't think. You're not there physically, but what do you hear about how New Orleans is doing? It's uh, dry and hot. Okay, mm-hmm. if you're inside, well, inside the federal levy system, it worked. The country spent Good. fourteen billion dollars, saved itself. I don't know how many hundreds of billions of dollars. Now, airport was barely nicked, but it, it, the electricity is an issue, and it's hot down there. So people are, are, are really uncomfortable now. In places north of New Orleans, and it was damage in the city, but not it wasn't catastrophic. But in some places, it was pretty close to catastrophic. That was about the worst-case scenario storm you could have gotten. So, uh, you know, I think the good news is is the, the levees held and we didn't flood. Uh, we're going to have to do some work on our electricity grid infrastructure, obviously. But it is oh, not. Way, a, it's not Katrina, 5, right? It's seven hundred and eighty-one. Isn't that how many in the Jewish New Year? That's what I read. It's, it's, yes, and I feel like I've lived about fifty-four hundred and fifty of them at my age. I feel I'm that old at this point. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you for that. One, one other thing before we get to the games, uh, your alma right. mater goes out to UCLA and loses. <sighs> There's heat on well, Ed Orgeron. Oh, you were there. Okay. What What yeah, were your that. thoughts about? Go ahead. Oh, it was not good. And, yes, there, there, there is a lot of heat. I mean, he came back and had that, you know, staggering season of all season in 2019. And he may come back again, or he may be Gene Chizik. You know, remember mm-hmm. he won the national championship with Cam Newton and then didn't do much later. But that, there is heat on it. 
and he knows it. I mean, it's pretty clear that that was a very disappointing football game, to say the least. That's that's what I would say. I mean, if you look at his record, his record with Joe Burrow is something like twenty-five and three, and his record without Joe Burrow is barely it's right around five hundred, right around five hundred. And I, I I think everybody, including him, is aware of that. And you know, we have we should beat McNeese and Central Michigan, but remember, we play Mississippi State. They scored six hundred and I don't know forty yards, air yards on us last year, and you know that they're. they're UCLA's receivers were getting behind our defensive backs with, with, with consistency. So, you know, we're going to have to get better. There's no doubt about it. And they're not going to. And this should be, you know, we had top five recruiting class for the last five years. Every year for the last five years. I don't think UCLA's had a top 20 recruiting class. So You're, you're aware of that statistic, the LSU statistic, that they've given up more 50-yard pass plays or greater in the last 11 games than any other D1 school. Than any other D1 school. Did you know that? Right. Uh, well, I, I, I didn't know it as a fact, but I, I, I could have guessed it pretty good. Anybody <laughs> that watches them play can see yeah. that you, you, you make an ordinary quarterback look like Joe Barr. But they, they, yeah. They're going to have to change, and, and everybody knows it. I hope All right, what do you like? I came back. I, I like... Uh, TCU minus eleven at home versus Cal. Uh, I like Nebraska minus thirteen and a half at home against Buffalo, and uh, I like the Browns getting six and a half against the Chiefs. I mean, yes, the Browns getting six and a half against the Chiefs. That's my three plays coming out to shoot. Um, Nebraska. What do we think? What do we think generally of Nebraska and Scott Frost? I mean, that, that's a big hire, you know, and he's got no record. Go ahead. That, that, they're disappointed too. I mean, I saw the game; they played Illinois, uh, but Buffalo yeah. is not that good. And now, I'm not. This is not a right. vote of confidence in the Cornhuskers. It's, it's you know, uh, not much confidence in the Bulls. <laughs> but but you know. One game doesn't make a season, and maybe he can come back. Maybe LSU can come back, but it's going to be they're not if they don't if, if they un, both LSU and Nebraska end up seven and five. That is not that's not that's not going to be acceptable in Lincoln or Baton Rouge. No, you're right about that. It's so great to hear your voice. Best to everybody at home. All Thank right. you for coming on. We look forward right. to it. James Carville, right, boys Tony, and girls. Always good talking. Thank you, man. You Love bet. James Carville. And once again, do we ask him about politics? No, we don't do that. We ask him to bet games. That's what we do. Do we have Jeff Ma? Is Jeff Ma with us? I'm getting him on the line now. Okay, so I will vamp for a while because now we go to Jeff Ma. And Jeff Ma has the uh, podcast Bet the Process, right? Yes. With Rufus Firefly. It's not Rufus Firefly. Rufus <laughs> T. Firefly was, didn't he, wasn't he a Groucho Marx character? Rufus <laughs> T. Firefly. It's Rufus was, Peabody. Yes. But it's Rufus T. Firefly was, um, and we have listeners who went to school with Rufus yeah. Peabody, but not Rufus T. America's Firefly. America's classmate. Yeah. Where did he go to school? Uh, he didn't go to St. Albans, did he? No. Jeff went to Exeter, right? Well, Jeff went to Exeter, but where did Rufus go? I thought Rufus was from here. I don't remember. Yeah. Do we have any? Luckily, we have enough listeners who will email us. Yeah, somebody oh, email us where, where Rufus went to school. But for some reason, I thought it was in D.C. I, I did. But I didn't know if it was a private school or a public school. Jeff yeah. is on so, the line. Maybe he'll good. know. 
right. Where did Rufus go to high school, Jeff? We know you went to Exeter and you swam and you were in water polo. Where did Rufus go to high school? I really don't pay attention to sort of the second tier <laughs> high school, so I really don't. I'm not, I'm not sure. <laughs> That's so good to hear. That's so good to hear. All right. Before we get to your picks, there are some overarching questions here. And for gamblers, I would think the number one would be the results of betting week one versus the rest of the season. You, it's, it's, it's a null slate here. You, you don't have anything really to go on. Nobody's going to go on exhibition games. All you have is last year. There's no form to look at. Is this the kind of week do you want to avoid week one, or do you think there's money to be made here? Uh, I mean, I think there's money to be made, and I, I think week one is interesting because um, many of the models from an analytical standpoint um, will will look at the prior year as evidence. And the, the problem, obviously, is is that there's personnel changes, there's coaching changes and whatnot. So one of the nuances of modeling week one is how much you weight the priors um, the prior year and then how you your model adapts to personnel changes, and I, you know, the obvious personnel change is specifically quarterbacks. And this year we have a lot of changes yeah. in quarterbacks, and you, you'll see in some of my picks this week that there is a, um, a way that I think people are generally overvaluing, um, or, or I guess overreacting to quarterback changes. And then there's definitely a feeling that people will often. Um, overweight what teams were last year. So there, there are certain teams certainly that are, um, I think, overrated going into this year. Who were the overrated teams in your mind? Um, I mean, I think the, the teams that you would think about, right? I think there, there's teams like the Bills that are a bit overrated because they're, they're sort of everyone's darling. Um, there's the teams that finished strongly last year, Tampa Bay, Kansas City, Green Bay, um, you know, those are the teams that I think are, are a bit overrated going into this year. Are there any teams that you think are underrated and have great value and nobody knows about them? Um, well, I mean, it's the NFL, so it's it's not a situation where people don't know about them. But I, I certainly think New Orleans is a bit underrated because of, um, you know, they, they were, I think they're 35 to 1 or something like that to win the Super Bowl. And they were obviously one of the best teams. They've been one of the best teams the last couple of years. And just have fallen short in the playoffs. Um, it changed to, to Jameis. Everyone thinks it's probably a huge deal, but Breeze was not particularly good last year, um, and they still, you know, obviously performed pretty well. So I, I don't think the Jameis drop off is going to be that big. Um, I think the Giants are a little bit underrated. I think they'll be a much better team. And I think New England will be um, a pretty strong team going in this year. Obviously, it's sort of the the moment in time where we see the we get the second chapter of Belichick versus Brady. I agree with that. And that, it, it, this, I don't know if you're going to pick this game, but for me, one of the most interesting games on the board is Miami at New England because Miami had a very good finish last year. I mean, they were a good team. And Miami is somehow, in my mind, giving three. And I suspect that you think that New England is value there, whereas I would have thought Miami is value there. Have we been working together so long now? Tony, you really, you really get this stuff. Yeah, I, I do like New England uh, minus the three there. I mean, there's a ton of uncertainty with Mac Jones, obviously. And the, the reality is that, that Cam was terrible last year. And New yes. England gets all these guys back from COVID. They, they uh, spend a lot of money in preseason, I mean, in the offseason, which they've never done. 
Um, but you have to trust um, McDaniel and, and Belichick as knowing what they're doing. Now, the, the Mac Jones decision may have been a, a long play, um, but certainly they wouldn't have put him in the situation if they didn't think he was ready to perform at a high level. Um, so, I, yeah, I like New England minus a three there. It's interesting because we talk about this a lot on on the PTI show, and my comment is always the same. Bill Belichick has a very dear friend in Nick Saban. Nick Saban had to have said to Bill Belichick, this kid can run your offense. Maybe just right, Jeff? I mean, he had to have said that for Belichick to make this move, it seems to me. He certainly trusts certain people, and Saban's one of them. I mean, the Mac Jones thing is is funny because – I think he was like 78% completion rate last year in college. Obviously, he was throwing to amazing wide receivers. But um, this is a guy that, you know, because of sort of who he is and, and what things look like for him in the in the draft, meaning like, oh, it looked like it was going to be an overreach, at, at, you know, where the Niners were going to get him. Um, sort of the hate has gone to him where they're like, oh, you know, he, he's completely overrated because he was going to get drafted so high and they're going to move up to him. But He's incredibly accurate, and, and that's honestly proven to be one of the most important things at the NFL level for quarterbacks is accuracy because it avoids interceptions and it allows wide receivers to catch the ball in stride and run after the catch. So, yeah, I, I think he's going to have a great career, and certainly what he did in the preseason was um, more proof of that. All right, tell us the games other than Miami, New England. Tell us some of the games you like. Yeah, I like I like Dallas plus the eight and a half tonight. I, it's just kind of an inflated number. I mean, the the big question here is obviously Dak and his health, and you know, um, but you know, in this case, if the Cowboys are confident enough to play him, I think certainly he's he's um, he's good enough to be a lot better than the other guys they had at quarterback last year. So um, Dallas should be much improved on defense and still have an incredible amount of offensive weapons and great offensive line. So um, I like Dallas plus the eight and a half here. And again, I mentioned that some of these teams like a Tampa Bay where our last memory of them is them beating the crap out of Kansas city in the super bowl. This is an, uh, this is an area where you're going to get value and, and Dallas plus the eight and a half is value in my mind. Okay. What else? Uh, keeping with that theme, you know, I think the Browns plus the six and a half, um, the Browns are a weird team. They, um, overperformed to some degree last year based on their points. I think they had a negative point differential, even with how great, uh, even with sort of a, a positive record. But um, they're a team that I think is is strongly built from a management standpoint. Obviously, um, Vansky's a, a great coach, and um, their front office, I think, is very strong. So I trust what they've done in the offseason. And six and a half against the Kansas City team, which I worry is is maybe a bit on the downswing, um, even with Mahomes and 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 how great he is. Um, again, like the Browns plus the six and a half. It is remarkable what happened. If you get a coach who you think knows what they're doing, and you get rid of this guy Kitchens, and you bring in a kid, Stefanski, right, the kid from Penn who nobody really knew about, and he made Cleveland three times as good as as Kitchens had them. Am I right on that? I mean, Kitchens was not a pro coach, not a head coach. I mean, There's Kitchens no was definitely a bit of a joke at the, the decisions yeah. he made and things he did. And, and yeah, there's been a litany of poor coaches in, in Cleveland for a while. Yes. So certainly Stefanski was a, was a step up. 
Um, uh, what else I you like got? New England. I like New England minus three. We mentioned right. that already. I like the Giants plus the three. Um, I, I'm just not sure why there's so much Denver love. The Bridgewater over Locke, like you know what? Who who we? What have we seen that makes us think that that's that much of an upgrade? And you know, again, this is an, uh, an area where. Um, Denver's defense played so well last year, and, and they were in so many close games that they're getting a lot of love this year. But the Giants, I think, are a team that um, is going to be much better this year. I expect Andrew Jones to be much better. Um, they have good offensive weapons. They got they get Barkley back, depending on his health, etc. But um, I think they're ready to make the step up, and, and certainly at home, plus the three, I like that. Okay. Um, and then finally, New Orleans plus the four and a half. I, I mentioned this already. I, I don't think that, that there's a, a big difference here between um, Breeze and Jameis. And I actually think Jameis could be a step up uh, this year. Um, again, a little bit of, of anti-Green Bay, thinking they're a little bit overrated. Um, obviously, it's going to be played on a neutral field. So there, there's you know, so, something there. But certainly the four and a half, I think, is value for New Orleans. That yeah, I would have uh, yeah, I will challenge it just in this thing. That that game is not being played in New Orleans. New Orleans is a big home field advantage. Uh, it, it's in a neutral site, and so I don't know. I mean, to me, I would think that Aaron Rodgers has a lot to prove early in the season, just to stick it to the coaches and the GM who he hates so much. You don't see that in this particular game. Well, that's one narrative. The other narrative would be that they're not particularly happy playing with each other and as good right. as Rodgers is, I mean, their, their harmony and, and cohesion is kind of important for a team. So I, I you know, I, I think again, there's two narratives there. I think the reality is that um, from a, from, from probably a defense offense standpoint, I, I think these teams are probably much closer to even than people realize the difference obviously is Rodgers versus Jameis. And how big is that difference? I mean, it's, it's big, but is it as big as, is it bigger than the difference Jameis versus or sort of Breeze versus Rodgers, which is ultimately what you would look at if you looked at, you know, the, the previous year's numbers to make this line. And if you did, this line would be smaller than four and a half. Thank you, Jeff. Jeff can be heard on Bet the Process with Rufus, who went to an inferior high school, as we've established early on. Thank you for waking up and doing this. I appreciate it. Thanks. We'll talk no to you worries. next week. Okay. Bye-bye. Jeff Ma, boys and girls. So you got Jeff Ma, you got James Carville, and coming up, you've got Chuck Todd. I'm Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is The X-Chair Read. I'm going way off book on The X-Chair Read. All right, I'm going to just tell a story on The X-Chair Read. I have a problem with my left leg, which I think emanates from my left hip. There's sort of something wrong. I feel it all the time when I sit at Uncle Benny's table in the normal dining room chairs that we have. I go to a physical therapist, Scott, and Scott says, how do you feel when you do the PTI show? Because how, how long are you in the chair? So I'm in the chair here continuously at the table for about an hour, an hour, 10 minutes, hour, 15 minutes. I'm at the chair upstairs, the X chair upstairs in the attic for about an hour, about an hour. It's approximately the same amount of time. When I get up from the X chair, I don't feel anywhere near the pain I feel when I get up from the chair here at Uncle Benny's table. And Scott said, 
maybe you want to move the X chair downstairs, you know, and, and do that or, you know, or take another chair and see how you're doing. The point he would make is that the X chair gives me comfort. I'm not even plugging it in. I'm not even using the heat. I'm not even using the dynamic variable lumbar support. I'm just sitting in the chair, and I don't feel this sort of pain. That has to say something about the chair. Scott and I agree that we like this chair. I sort of think I ought to carry it around. Michael's young. He should bring it. Don't you think? He should bring it down. Every I brought the chair day. upstairs. The chair is staying upstairs. Yeah, so anyway. <laughs> yeah. Elamax massage therapy is what you get. And Elamax temperature regulation is what you get with an X chair. X-Chair Elamax delivers cooling, heat, and massage technology directly to your core, regulating body temp, helping increase blood flow, muscle recovery, and energy, all perks that make working from home or the office a joy. I got to do that more often. There's never been a better time than to ditch that old no-name office chair or dining room chair and boost your productivity by treating yourself to the joys of X-Chair. Go to xchairtony.com now. That's the letter X, chair, Tony.com or call this number one eight four 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 X chair to receive $100 off on your order. X chair has a 30 day guarantee of complete comfort and you can finance your purchase for as little as $30 a month. Go to xchairtony.com now. Use the code X wheels for free X wheel blade casters if you're like Jody and you like to scoot around the office. xchairtony.com. Use the code. This is the Tony Kornheiser Show. This comes to us from Jennifer Ellis, and she writes, I hope you're doing well. I wanted to submit a song for your show. When I asked the love of my life, Matt Miltaylor, I hope I pronounced that right, who is one of your biggest fans for 25 plus years, what he wanted for his birthday, which was Wednesday, yesterday, he said the best present I could give him would be to submit my original song, Stolen Heart. We listened to your show religiously. We even attended a local meetup here in Cincinnati recently. That must have been Night of the Littles. It would be an honor if you would consider using my song on your show. The honor is ours. This is Jennifer Ellis, and this is Stolen Heart. The talent level is stunning. Michael, if people like Jennifer Ellis want to send us their original music, how do they do it? Send us your music by emailing it to jingles at TonyCornizerShow.com. If I could I sing like this, do you think I'd do this? No, <laughs> I wouldn't do this. I'd sing like that if I could do that, but I can't. Happy birthday, Matt. Yeah, that's very nice of you to say. Um, Chuck Todd joins us now, and Chuck's going to pick games, because Chuck Todd picks games for us every single year against the spread. And the first couple of weeks are tougher than the rest of the year because you get a line on things. But before we get to that, um, Chuck and I went back and forth last night because I'm watching the Nats game, and in the bottom of the first, Sean Nolan is out there. He's like an 83-year-old lefty. <laughs> was called up was called up because they don't have anybody else and he throws it's the third batter up there's a man on first one out he throws one over Freddie Freeman's head Freddie Freeman's a lefty sails over his head I'm just looking doesn't mean much to me I mean that happens the Braves pitcher 2K Toussaint is all over the world, right, Chuck? He's not he's not close to the strike zone in the top close. of the first. No. And and, no. and let's be honest, uh, this Nats pitching staff having pitchers that can't find the strike zone is that really a surprise to us? <laughs> no, not at all. Right. And you're then like, the, you're like, oh, you're like, oh, okay, it's gonna be a long night, you know. And then the, the next pitch that Nolan throws, he's a lefty. 
Hits Freddie Freeman in the belt on his right side. Hits him on the belt on his right side. And now, and I don't really understand this, because now the umpire goes out to, the, to talk to the other umpires, and within 30 seconds, they've tossed this guy, Sean Nolan. He's out. That was shown as being deliberate. What I didn't know at all, Chuck, did you know at the time, I had to have FP explain it about 20 minutes later, it seemed, that this is retaliation for something that happened a year ago. A right? year old beef. Yeah, I, 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 it just feels, I, I mean, I don't know. Maybe it's the pandemic in me or something, but it's just like, really? We're, we're, we're going we're gonna to litigate these beefs when you're out of it? And by the way, when we got hit last year, it wasn't as if the Nats were in it last year when that happened. I don't, it, it just, I, I, there's a part of me that loves the unwritten rules of baseball. I love that they exist, but then when they get executed, then you think, God, this is stupid. <laughs> and it just felt stupid. I don't know. It, it did. It did. And, and of course, Davey Martinez can't go to the mound, can't go to the umpires. He's in a boot. He can't do anything. He's got to send out surrogates for everything. This particular case, if I understand this correctly, Juan Soto last year didn't like or the relief pitcher was coming in. The relief pitch. pitcher didn't like Soto staring right. at him while he was staring at him and said, yeah. get out of here. Then Soto <laughs> greeted him with a home run. Then yesterday, a year later, that same pitcher drilled Soto. And so this is this is revenge for Soto, right? That's how you read it. That's it has, how we it, have to read it. It is, and I guess that's the one thing you take away from this, is that, the, the, that everybody on the Nets has one job right now. Keep one Soto to keep happy. Soto. That's, that's your exactly. only job. That's right. Keep Soto that's right. and keep him happy. Yeah. So at the end of the year, they're going to go to Soto with literal wheelbarrows of cash in order to say, would you consider you know, signing right yeah. now? And, and you know what? Soto's going to say, oh, but you didn't, uh, you didn't uh, waste pitchers throwing at other guys in order, to, in order to protect me, so I'm leaving. I mean, I just don't yeah. buy that this is going to be the reason he stays or goes. But. I, I agree with you. All right, let's get to the yeah. task at hand, which is picking football games. And there are at least the games we're giving you are a great, great array great, of games. It's a great slate. I mean, it, by the way, kudos just, to both college football for the first weekend, which was just yeah. tremendous matchups, and kudos to the NFL. I mean, you know, I mean, there's the Texans and Jags, and, you know, they have to play too. Yeah. But, man, these games, they're just, other, you know, the, the – the, the most overrated game might be the one we watch tonight, but we'll see. Well, we'll, we'll talk about that. I, I wanted to ask you, did you take the points with Florida State against Notre Dame and win that game? Yes, I did. I did okay. it in my household. You know, that made Good my, for you, because your wife. It's, yeah, you know, she went, can I be honest? It's a little painful that, that Miami sort of really stunk up the joint against Alabama. They did. They did. And, and, of course, I was outwardly rooting for Florida State, because Notre Dame is like the Cowboys, the Yankees, the Lakers. You just you, – the – the amount of attention they get per success, it does not, you know, that ratio doesn't work, right? You know, but so there's this automatic rooting, but it only bummed me out that Florida State looked better than Miami. It just, it's just hard to accept <laughs> in my household. All. all right, let's get to the pros. The game tonight is Tom Brady, uh, 65-year-old Tom Brady, um, and, and now everyone is convinced he's going to win again, which is remarkable to me. They are convinced he's going to win again. They play at home. They play against Dallas. Dallas is the most over-publicized team in all yeah. of sports, and it's because 
Their marketing is brilliant, and their owner is accessible at all times, even when his glasses are being cleaned by his son-in-law. Dallas is getting eight by game time. For all I know, that could be ten. Who do you like in this game? It's a big number. By the way, it's amazing. Think about the Cowboys haven't won a Super Bowl in, in this century. Yeah. yeah. And they're still the most valuable NFL franchise. Still the most yep. valuable. The Patriots have won, you know, 35, and they're still number two to a team that didn't win. I mean, that is sort of remarkable um, for what it's worth. Look, I like uh, – I'm I, I don't get a hype on the Cowboys. I think Dak Prescott's a fine quarterback, but I don't see how he suddenly 12 or 13 wins. Um, you know, all those national titles he won at Mississippi State, I understand that, and that's why people think this. Uh, anyway, point is, I don't get yeah. it. Yeah, I'm all in on the. I'm all in on 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 Tampa, and and I'm wondering is Dak healthy? And and why didn't yeah. he get that shoulder? If he had a shoulder issue while he was dealing with the ankle, why, why didn't he get deal with that sooner rather than later? I, I I anyway, and then you throw in the Mike McCarthy factor. No, he, he, Dak Buck Prescott there. didn't play one down in the preseason, and the last time we looked at him, his shoulder hurt. I mean, I don't mm-hmm. I don't understand. I like you. I don't understand why everyone thinks that he is the savior tonight. I don't see it. Me. Let's go to another game. This is a great game on paper. Pittsburgh at Buffalo. Um, And the reason it's a great game on paper is because Roethlisberger did look like he can throw this year, whereas last year he did not look like he could throw. Buffalo was an emergent team last year. Buffalo is at home. Um, Josh Allen is said to be an MVP candidate. If you like Pittsburgh on the tradition of this game, because Pittsburgh's been a better team than Buffalo for a long yeah. amount of time, if you like them, you get six and a half. I, I, there's a part of me that wants to uh, that wants to, to take Pittsburgh here. I think they're going to be better for all the reasons you said. And this guy has played in preseason, and he didn't look so crummy. And I and I, I have yeah. a feeling this Najee Harris is going to be you know one of these Pittsburgh running backs that everybody go, oh look, they found another one of those. Running yeah. backs, it's going to make their life, uh, uh, Ben Roethlisberger's life easier. But Buffalo seems like on another level. I, I, I just, I'm not going to get in front of that train. And, and they, they could be, they could be the, the I, I, I bet on, I'm betting on them on the, to go to the Super Bowl over the Chiefs. So okay. I feel like they're, a, they're the team with the chip and all of that stuff. So I'm, uh, I'm going to take the Bills. Here's another I'm contractually great game. obligated. I'm, you know, when, yes. when I signed the deal at Meet the Press, Tim Russert, I'm yeah, contractually I mean, obligated. In fact, my executive producer is a Bills fan. There, there has so to there be whoever's in, who's ever in charge of Meet the Press has to have a Buffalo connection. So I have one. Another great game. It's supposed to be at New Orleans. Is it actually going to be at New Orleans, or have they moved this somewhere? I thought they moved Jacksonville. this game. It's in yeah, it's in Jacksonville. Did you follow this? They tried to pick the most inconvenient place for Green Bay Packer fans to travel. <laughs> the Saints did. So they said, well, we're not going to play it in Tampa because people like Tampa. They'll travel to Tampa. And we're not going to go to Orlando. We're not going to go to uh, Texas. We're going to pick Jacksonville because we know how much everybody loves to, to tourists to travel to Jacksonville. Well, I still don't think it's going to work. There's still going to be more Packers fans than that stands than uh, Saints fans. Anyway. It's Green Bay and New Orleans. These are good teams. Um, the question about this season early on for New Orleans is, will Jameis Winston be a real quarterback or will they have to go to Taysom Hill? And the question with Green Bay is, at what point does Aaron Rodgers just walk off the field and say, just put the kid in. I don't care anymore. Do what you want to do. If you like Green Bay and New Orleans does not get the home field in this, it's, that's significant often in, in New Orleans. If you like Green Bay, you give four. 
Yeah. I, Rogers will walk away at halftime, only one game this season. Would it, no, like, think... to, would, it, would it totally shock you if you're like, well, he didn't come back after halftime and we don't know where he went? <laughs> that's, that's, that would, you know, be like, that's, yeah, you that's know, what I would like do. Totally out of the realm. Um, I, I, uh, I'm, not, I'm not convinced that, uh, that New Orleans is going to, my apologies here, my, my dog's a little uh, upset. That's fine. I'm not as convinced on um, New Orleans being able to keep it up. Uh, so I'm, I'm with Aaron Rodgers and the chip on his shoulder to prove a point that he's still the best. All this, this or that, um, and it's uh, and there's no home field advantage for New Orleans. So nope, nope. That, so you'll take points, Green I'll Bay. I'll take it. Yeah. Here's another great game: Cleveland at Kansas City. Cleveland is said to have one of the best five rosters in all of of football right now. Kansas City's been the Super Bowl two straight years. They've got the best player on the planet in Patrick Mahomes. Uh, if Cleveland, if Cleveland's going to be great this year, what a big test this is early on at Kansas City, and you get six and a half if you like them. I, I like Cleveland in this game. I, I uh, Look, Kansas City's Kansas City, and, and they're going to be there, but I think this will be a good game. And there's part of me on Kansas City, you know, and this is a little bit of the Super Bowl losers usually have a tough time getting yes, they do. getting their season started. Yes, right? they do. So throw in the fact that Cleveland has probably been smarting about they came so close. You know, they almost pulled this upset off against the Chiefs in the playoffs. So, and for all the other reasons you said, and, and look, I think Baker Mayfield is it, it, you know he's the worst player on their offense, like of all their quote star players, and he's pretty good. He's pretty so, good. He's yeah, pretty good. You know, it's like, yeah. it, it, you know, you look at all the parts, you know, uh, it, it's, but anyway, this is a great matchup, but I like Cleveland uh, here is a little bit of, uh, I think they, they have more to prove in their mind than, than Kansas City. Okay. Here's another one. You think we ran out of good games? This is Miami at New England. Miami last year won 10 or 11 games. New England had a bad year, got rid of Cam Newton, handed the reins to Mac Jones for reasons that are unfathomable to me. Miami is getting three. I, I mean, I don't really understand how Miami is getting three, given what happened last year. This expresses unbelievable belief in Bill Belichick. That's all this line can be about in my mind. What about you? Do you take, you take the three? So this is where I haven't decided how I feel about Alabama quarterbacks. Are any of them any good? Okay. I don't know. Right? Don't I, know. I mean, you think about the guys that won titles before these three, right? Before before we had Hurts well, and Namath and Bart Starr were pretty good, you yeah. know, but okay, that's a long but, time ago. All right, then you have AJ McCarron. I believe you yep, can catch nothing. him calling games now. You have yep, Greg. Yep. Uh, is it McElroy? I believe he's a pretty good color color yep. announcer. I think he's pretty good at this. But last time I checked, he's not on an NFL roster. Uh, uh, you know, uh, is, are they system quarterbacks or not? I guess we're going to find out. This year, between all three, and with Tua, I, you'll see with Tua. With, yeah. Well, well, Tua and Hurts and Hurts and, and Hurts and 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 with and with Mac Mac Jones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my issue is I'm not a believer in Tua, and I think New England has more. They have more around Mac Jones to keep him from to be able to protect him than I think the Dolphins are relying too much on Tua, and I'm not. I don't buy into the idea that he he can do this. It's sort of like. Um, we'll see. Maybe I'm wrong, um, but okay. I'm, I'm not betting against Belichick this year. And I, I buy this idea since they spent all this money in free agency that he's that he's competitive with Brady. 
and he, and he saw Brady win one, and he suddenly yes, he is suddenly the, no, you know he's yeah. yeah he's ticked off. He wants to. I'm just saying to on the numbers. I'm saying on the last year's results that Miami gets three in this amazes me. It amazes me. But it so, is, anyway. but you're right. It's all about Belichick and, and it's, Belichick. Do you want to bet against them? No, no, okay. I don't. I don't. One more game. Well, two more games. Well, one more great game. Well, maybe it's not great, but I mean, it could be great if Matt Nagy weren't so insistent on not playing Justin Fields. This could be a great this game. This is a, not a good game, but you have to do it because it's L.A. and Chicago. Chicago at L.A. I believe, and I've said this on the PTI show, much to the delight of others who laugh at me, I believe that Matthew Stafford will be the MVP of the league this year and that the L.A. Rams will be in the Super Bowl. So I would take L.A. and I would give the seven and a half. What are you going to do? Yeah, I, uh, what I've really done already is I've taken Tampa and the Rams in a two-team teaser where you drop mm. them because they're both, I believe, seven and a half point favors. You drop them to one and a half. And all, basically, you're just counting on those guys to win. Um, so that is, for what it's worth, for the real degenerate gamblers out there, that's my favorite bet of the weekend. Um, <laughs> but uh, I, I'm, I'm I, seven and a half is not enough. There's something about, there's no running. Think about this. The Rams may not have a good running game, right, with no K-makers, and they're going to have sort of that's a right. uh, revolving right. door of running backs. It means they're going to throw the, they're going to short pass you to death, right? I mean, this, this is one of those where, Stafford might, in his opening game, they might put up 40, 40 or 50 points and say, hey, see what the Rams would be like with a good quarterback and see what Stafford would be like with a good, good players around them. So yeah. I just think they want to get off to a hot start. So I'd rather be on their side. One more game. San Diego, which was surprisingly good last year by the end of the year, then fired their San coach. Diego. Oh, San Diego. yeah, I always call them San Diego. They're the L.A. Chargers. I'm do sorry, we have like but I a, even wrote Do we have down. a curse jar for that or something? Do we do like <laughs> And have to give money? You know. Yeah. Yeah. And they're playing another team whose name I won't get wrong, the Washington football team. <laughs> I have no idea. Look, I, I am partial towards Ryan Fitzpatrick, having seen him play in college. Um, I like him. I think he's better than people say, though he has never been to the playoffs. Uh, the Chargers were quite good by the end of the year, and Justin Herbert, may be real good, although Chase Young may knock him down a few times in this particular game. It is in Washington, D.C. If you like the Chargers, a road favorite, you give one. Yeah, that's, uh, I was, you know, this is a game that I was hoping the Chargers would be giving two and a half or three, and then I I wanted to take the football team. One, I I feel like this is going to be a lower scoring game and and, and that, that, that the football team will keep the Chargers you know, they have a new coach and all of that. Um, and it, I'm not going to, I'm not going against the football team yet at home, but I want to. I, it, the one point uh, I don't love, but I'm, I'm, I, I don't feel good about the, the Chargers have the look of a team that I think is going to take a step back because there's a lot of hype around them, a lot of hype around Herbert. Right. But I don't know if they really have enough around, around him yet to be that successful. Um, and I'm with you on Chase Young. So I'll take the football team, though I wish, like I said, I wish I could get another couple points. It is so great to be able to say the football team. Doesn't it feel good when you say that? I love it. The singular I, I don't want football change. team. What are they going to no. have no, coming up it. with? I mean, keep it. I mean, keep it. I, you know, and it, by the way, if you're going to, I do personally, I, if they're going to come up with a name that's Washington, I hope it is something like the Federals or something like that. I'd rather it related to the seat of power. Don't do something like the Guardians. That's all I ask. 
Like, that just seemed to be Chuck. like a useless, a useless idea. <laughs> For those of you who care, Chuck and I will be, of course, exchanging texts on the next game later on. <laughs> we're the Chuck only Todd, two people boys watching. Us yes, and his mom. Yeah, yeah we're mom, Chuck Todd, Bye. boys and girls, and once again, no questions about Afghanistan. It's like when we had Tommy Friedman. No questions about <laughs> right. Afghanistan. That's for somebody else. And if we just gave you Chuck Todd, of course, that would be enough. But in fact, kids, we give you a monkey. See the monkey, he's scritch, scritch, scratching, watching his iPad, smoking and laughing, hanging with Bud Grant, tap, tap, tapping on his purple attack. Sing along, kids. I just go with the zoo. Reginald's got the bite spice. Sometimes When he's had too much Johnny Walker Blue. All right. So you went to see him. Yes. What's he like? Well, I was concerned that I would not be able to actually see him because I'm up in New York, and, and I thought, well, maybe I'll Zoom with him. And zoom sends, call. Yes, but he sends me a text. He's actually up here in New York. I don't know if you know okay. this. He won the Mixed Doubles Championship here in 1992 <laughs> with Hanuman Yes, so I he's up. Know, I didn't know yeah, that. Yeah, he's up That's palling funny. around with his old tennis buddies, uh, and he said, look, meet me out at Gallagher's. We'll have a steak, and we'll talk about these games. So I went out, saw him, and uh, the first game we gave him was the one tonight, Dallas getting eight at Tampa Bay. And he showed me an old photograph of him shooting pool with Willie Moscone, the great pool player, um, Gary Hogaboom, Randy White, and Drew Pearson. So clearly, he, yeah, he's got he's ties to the Dallas. Cowboys. Yeah, I'm not sure I agree with him on that one, but you know that was what the monkey wanted. Um, the next game we gave him was Kansas City at home giving six and a half to Cleveland. And he showed me this lovely photograph of him and a hot air balloon ride with Len Dawson, George Brett, and UL Washington. So he's, oh, got so he's going Kansas City. Yeah, lots of ties to Kansas City. Um, okay. So he'll take the Chiefs in that one. And, of course, the, uh, the final match we gave him was um, uh, the Washington football team. And, and, by the way, he agrees with you. He loves the, the, just calling them the football team. Um, and he, they're getting one at home against uh, the Chargers. And he showed me a, a, a newspaper story with a photograph on the front page of him in a hot dog eating contest with Mike Nelms, Clint Didier, and Richie Pettibone. So, yeah, he's got ties to the football team. He'll take them. He's going to take the football team. Yes. Okay, good. All right, good. So he and Chuck agree with that one, and that's good. And I keep writing down San Diego. And I every time it's, I make a note, I write San Diego. I did too. I, it's just, I, I, it's not going to stop for me. That's not. I'm, at my age, I'm going to ride this thing out on San Diego. Yes. I'm sorry. I'm going to do that. Because it's not like they moved a long way. They moved an, an hour and a half away. It's, you know, it's no big deal. All right, thanks to everybody. We will get out of this segment. We will come back with email and a jingle. I am Tony Kornheiser. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. This is the Policy Genius ad. Summer's coming to an end and the leaves are about to fall. In my house, they've started falling. While Mother Nature does her thing to prepare for the new season, you can do yours by seeing how much you can save on home and auto insurance. Policy Genius cannot help you refresh your cool weather wardrobe for autumn but they do make it easy to see if you're overpaying for another kind of insurance, home and auto insurance. Policy Genius makes it easy to compare home and auto insurance in one place. They can help you find home and auto insurance similar to what you have now, but at a lower price. They have saved customers $1,250 per year on average over what they were paying for home and auto insurance. They've saved new customers an average of $435 per year on the auto insurance and new customers an average of $350 a year on home insurance. Getting started is easy. First, head to policygenius.com. 
answer a few questions about the policies you have. Then Policy Genius takes it from there. They will compare rates from America's top insurers, from Progressive to Allstate, to find your lowest quotes. The Policy Genius team can look for ways to save you more, including bundling your home and auto policies. And if they find a better rate than what you're paying now, they will switch you over for free. Hard to say for free this early in the morning. Head to PolicyGenius.com. Although, for free is the thing that I should be emphasizing. Head to PolicyGenius.com to get started right now. Policy Genius. When it comes to insurance, it's nice to get it right. You're listening to The Tony Kornheiser Show. Banjos. Who doesn't like banjos? Who does that, Nigel? That's lovely. That is Joe and Molly Chambers. Just lovely. Banjos. Mikey, you want to do the Bethesda Bagel ad? Sure, yes, Bethesda Bagel. We love them. You will as well. Uh, located throughout the DMV. Go online, find the one that's nearest to you. Today was a bagel day. I threw them for a loop with the Thursday, not the Friday schedule. Wait, wait till next week happens when oh. we do Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. The bagels have been nuts. canceled. You know, they're going to be totally <laughs> nuts on that. That's just about it for us today. Before we get to the mailbag, let me say the poor cook, he got the fits, threw away all my grits. Then he took and he ate up all of my corn. Let me go home. Why don't they let me go home? This is the worst trip I've ever been on. That is the redo by Brian Wilson of Sloop John B. Um, my friend Mike Gleason sent me a video of Brian Wilson and Al Jardine singing this song recently, like within the last couple of years. Just wonderful. Absolutely wonderful. Thanks to our guests today. All betters. Chuck Todd, James Carville, and Jeff Ma, host of the podcast, Bet the Process. Thanks to today's sponsors, Policy Genius, SeatGeek, X-Chair. Remember, you can listen to us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Google Play, and Odyssey. If you get the show through Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. Oh, yeah, and check out the Johnny O code that I think is now active, Tony B2S. B2S. Now, the two is with the number, number. two, just to confuse Letter you. Letter B, numeral two, letter S. Back to school. Tony's rocking the cross-country short, I believe. Yeah, I like the shorts, but I love the shacket. The shacket. They have, shacket. They have a ton of new shacket. They're in it. They're in. They're, They're all in, in on shackets. This is from Joe Pearson in Indianapolis. Raccoons are cats? Wow, information for life. Aren't raccoons cats yeah. of some sort? Also, like have you heard of this movie about mobsters called The Godfather? Came out a while ago. Maybe you aren't aware of it. I saw it the other night on cable. It's pretty good. You should check it out. I hear there's a sequel as well. From Joe Bianchino in Latham, New York, our old friend. Like some, I live my life on the verge of the abyss that is existential crisis, particularly with regard to matters of the ever-quickening drumbeat that is time and the knowledge that someday all our songs will end. Last week, I thought I'd explored the deepest ranges of that abyss when, at the age of 33, I made it through only seven holes of golf before wrenching my back so badly I couldn't move for a week. And then I listened to Wednesday's show and heard that you can do a seven-minute plank. No less than six minutes more than I could. God help me. Joe, don't feel bad. Joe Bianchino, don't feel bad in Latham, up near Albany. Don't feel bad. From Brian DeCenzo in South Haven, Michigan. Only Tony feels bad about not hating someone anymore. I don't. Who do who do I not hate? Brad Hand. Oh, Brad Hand. Yeah. Read I the subject about line. That. Oh, Brad Hand. Yeah. Um, from Dylan Lord. Today at my doctor's office, there was a bowl with small candy bars, and one of them was a payday. I instantly thought of you and all your raving about how great they are, so I grabbed it, and I thought I'd see what the hype was about, and guess what? Paydays suck. No, <laughs> paydays are good. Those are fighting words. Paydays are good. 
They're all Oh, from too. Chris Milmo about the Cooperstown house. Michael and Tony, I'm absolutely thrilled that you read my email. I'm going to be dining out on this story for a while. The Milmo family has actually been connected to the Kornheiser family in a couple of different ways. I was the athletic director at the St. James School in Hagerstown, Maryland, when Michael was a golfer at Murray. Our teams would meet in the MAC, the MAC Championship, and my sister-in-law, Ali Simmons, was friends with Liz back at her winter term in Switzerland, and there's an attached photo. What? How old was Liz then? Uh, this would have been eighth grade. Liz took a term in Switzerland, wow. uh, like her sisters. I read her this email, Liz lit up, and we have one of her memory boxes that's So she knows Chris up. the Milmo family. Uh, yes, and we're going to look through some of these old photos and try and see them together. If you do have interest in the house, I would love to get you in touch with my cousin who owns it. It's this really is a beautiful place, and I think it would meet all of Mr. Tony's needs. Hope to hear from you. Yes, you My will. favorite part of the Zillow listing is the, the small property that are still on the grounds. I think there's a like an ice house. An ice house there? Yeah. Yeah, because it's so cold up there all the time. You, you don't need to have a refrigerator. Yeah. Just put things in the ice Covered house. Covered in sawdust. From Michael O'Donnell in Melbourne, Australia. I was listening to one of the shows from the other week, and you were doing a great job dropping lines from Glengarry Glen Ross, which happens to be one of my favorite movies. I know it was originally a play, but I haven't seen the play. The dialogue in it is amazing. I try to use a line or two whenever I get the chance. My favorite instance was when I was working in a music store many moons ago. There was a customer who would always purchase stuff and come back complaining about it in order to try and get a discount or to have the item exchanged for a better one. One day he came in complaining about some guitar leads and at one point told me that these leads were weak. In my best Alec Baldwin voice and with a straight face, I said to him, the leads are weak, you're weak. I could see the customer's brain clunking as he was thinking about what was just said. After about 30 seconds of silence, he uttered, I need to talk to your manager. Suffice to say, I was later told by said manager I was no longer required and was given the boot, but it was worth it. Can I also just say thanks? As I live in Melbourne, Australia, we're currently in COVID lockdown, as is nearly all of the country. We get to leave our homes for two hours of exercise per day with a limit of going no further than five kilometers from home. I use the time after finishing work to go for a walk and catch up on the podcast, which is one of the few things that keeps me smiling during this crappy time. Uh, there's a, oh, Sean Doolittle is the subject line. From Dennis Bounds in Redmond, Washington. The Mariners have claimed Sean Doolittle off waivers. What should I do? Cry, cringe, or give up watching my favorite team for the rest of the year? This was a couple of this weeks is old. ago. Is he still there? Is Sean Doolittle oh, still we'll with the Mariners? It. Could you check? If only we knew someone who worked with the Mariners. From Susie Kemp in Boise, Idaho. Hi, gang. Long time, second time. The great name debate continues. My maiden name is Bell. So my name was Susie Bell. Kind of rolls off your tongue as one word. A late family friend of ours would call my sister and I Mountain Bell and Tinkerbell when we were kids. A college friend would see me and start sing singing, wah, little Susie. Every, little, every single time he saw me, others would sing, wake up, little Susie. Oh, that was Susie Q. I'm sorry, from Creedence Clearwater. Susie Q. Uh, the late great Everly Brothers song, Wake Up Little Susie. But the ironic thing is, my parents wanted to name me Wendy. But after I was born, they thought, nah, Wendy's got blonde hair and blue eyes. So they named me Susie. And I have blonde hair and blue eyes. That's me <laughs> on the right with my sister, in 1984. She said something from 1984. Look at that, Michael. That's These so are throwback cool. names. Alexander Bear Khan. While I sympathize with Brian Wilson, Cuthbert, and Frank the Tank, my last name is Khan. Everybody I meet immediately yells, Khan, from the <laughs> wrath of Khan, as if they're the first ones to ever say that to me. I used to pretend to fake laugh and explain how it's spelled differently, but I've reached a certain age in my life where I now just give a strong glare until the smile evaporates from this unimaginative person's face. Anyways, for the love of God, please don't read my last name on the air. It's Khan. I think you can do that. Um, what was I going to say about this? I, I thought 
I, I were so out of order that I read the one last week that said stop with the names. Yeah. And now I've gone back into the names. <laughs> I feel bad about that. I'm going to read this from Bill Isaacson, though, and this is from a couple of weeks ago. International travel remains educational, <clears throat> if somewhat nerve-wracking in these times. I've learned the following from our visit to Croatia. Did we read this before? It sounds like you've read this. Did I but read no. this before? Go back. You Michael Jordan yes. and his yes. rented... Yes. Yes, we have. I did read it. Yes. yes. Oh, then I, why am I doing it again? <laughs> I'm losing my this mind. Is, are why you, are they are you in not the same pile? throwing out the red pile? Mm. You never mix the piles. Mm. Don't mix the piles. One more from Peter Potke or Potke in Southington, Connecticut, which is right near Bristol. During the solo stove read, just as you read Symphonies of Animals, Chessie jumped in with an impeccably timed ad lib. I don't see any four-year-old kid pulling that off in the debate on who's smarter. Chessie is back in the lead. Thank you. If you're out on your bike. You've also read that one before. Have I? Yes. Why do I still have these? Now, shout out to all those teachers working early education. We had a little two-year-old who was koala-bearing so hard yesterday. So thank you to all your teachers and back to school. Yeah, the hammer didn't want to go. He did not want to go, but then he observed the other kids. He went down to to the classroom. He played with the kitchen. And we picked him up. Do you not day. like? Did you not like my theory as to why he didn't want to go? Do, do repeat your theory. For my us. theory is that that his older brother, Bootsy, goes to school, and when Bootsy goes to school, he has the hammer has his parents alone. So if you send him off to school too, he realizes he doesn't get parental time that perhaps he craves alone. Do you not like that No, no, theory? what plays into your theory is what happened the day before, because he went to the Bootsy's drop-off, really wanted to stay at school, and then had a special trip to the sandpark. Oh, we love that boy. If you're out on your bike time, everyone, as always, do wear white. I got to work on these emails and make sure the ones I've read. Now, don't you tell me you don't remember me, because I sure as heck fire remember you. Bing. Bing Ryerson. Your ever-present, always smiling face behind me Tickling my back just like a kiss And when I turn, you are still smiling in your frame Upon the wall, captured in a moment of bliss You're not smiling You're not smiling You're not smiling You're not smiling now
I'm not smiling I'm not smiling I'm not smiling I'm not smiling now Another day, a future week Like years and years before I need a lifting on my back I feel the kiss of your Ever-present, always smiling face Behind me But when I turn the bright white wall You know it's blinding And there's an empty space Where your face is missing The only trace Hold and won't replace you. And are you smiling? Are you smiling? Are you smiling? Are you smiling now? Are you smiling now? Are you smiling now? Are you smiling now? Closer than I thought I'd be 